Today, Eriks and I are joined by Simon Severino. As well as being the CEO of Strategy Sprints, he teaches growth, strategy, and innovation at select MBA courses across Europe. It's an interesting and timely discussion on the value of sprints with continuous improvement, the drive which sustains business growth and helps you overcome whatever is thrown your way. I'm Judy Selmans and welcome to Thrivable Biz, where we talk all things to make your business thrive. So welcome to the Thrivable Biz stage, Simon. It's lovely to have you here. Pumped to be here. Thank you for being here. Actually, we were just having this quick conversation before we went um, to record this and got to discover where you live in Vienna, which is pretty amazing. I think we're still a bit starstruck here <laughs> back in New Zealand, as we, by the way, not live in such a bad place, but certainly not next to the castle. But at <laughs> any rate, so I've been going through your website because just to, before we had a chat, and I, to be honest with you, the first thing that popped out of me was that it looks like you're a systems person. Is that how you describe yourself? I have been a systems person my whole life. I just didn't <laughs> knew it. I, <laughs> I was just an annoying human being to be around. Uh-huh. So, oh yeah, this is oh this is the routine for that. Oh, this is the standard for that. And then I realized in business, this is what high performers need. I saw it in athletes. If if you watch any biography of any baseball player, basketball player, any high performer, they will tell you what's their morning routine, what's their pre-game routine, what's their training plan. So I realized that in order to have high performance, you need systems. And they are the foundations for freedom, for creativity, for really standing out in any field. So yes, I always was a systems person. <laughs> now it is it is my core business. There you go. I, I, actually, on on the systems you talk about, which I'm assuming are all very much systems based, is your five accelerants. What are they? Can you share those? Yeah, it starts really simple. So, service based businesses work with us to double their revenue in the ninety day sprint, and we starts with the five accelerants. It's very simple. Is who is it for? Do you have the right people? Do you have the right product? And do you have the right price? Do you have the right channels? And do you have the right systems? These are the five accelerants. Right. So we start by asking, do you really have the right people? Because you see if you have the right people by some numbers. One of these numbers is the conversion rate in percent. So how many people do you talk with per week and how many of them buy? If mm-hmm. that is low or if it if it's too high, then you are you are talking to the wrong people. For example, mm-hmm. we have somebody in our accelerator right now, he has an 80% conversion rate. That's much wow. too high. So he's talking to the wrong <laughs> people. He's not filtering enough. So are you really serving the right audience and do you have a filtering system we are back at systems now do you have a system that really filters out who you spend your time with so you don't waste their time and uh, they don't waste yours 
And then we go to product. Do you have one main product? One example of our current accelerator clients is they are a big consulting house in Europe and they have 23 different services. Right. Wow. And now we, we focused with them on one of them. They picked the artificial intelligence one. So we go now with one productized service instead of 23. That's yeah. the product part. Because if you simplify that, the whole communication gets better and you can improve it really every week. Our goal is that everybody has just one main product and one main upsell. Because when you have just one product, every time you pass by, you can curate it a little bit. You give it a bit, little bit of love. It gets better. So every week you pass by, you curate it a little bit. It gets better week by week. After a couple of years, you have something wonderful. Do you think that's, I'm just thinking, I can imagine that being quite a difficult decision. Certainly, if you've come down from 23 products to one. I was going to say that as wow. well. It must be very challenging. I mean, yeah, that that's that's tough. But I totally get that, what, you, what you're talking about, because you can't spread yourself and do a good job at 23 products. Exactly. And yeah. in it was not even that hard because... When you are in the midst of it, it's hard to oh, take the decision, oh, yeah. especially with your team and with different stakeholders and shareholders. But if you have a sprint coach like this person has, so they have a one-to-one -one sprint coach for 90 days, 24-7. And the sprint coach asks you a series of questions. And one of them, they are all in spreadsheets, and one of them is fill out the list of where's the money coming from and what's the profit rate per service. So there, there are a couple of numbers that you have to fill in. So how much time per week goes into fulfilling that service? What's the profitability per piece, so per unit? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and after these five, six numbers that you put in, you see the numerical situation. So because the sprint coach is outside of your team, he sees just the numbers yeah. and helps you with the spreadsheet that you just see the numbers. And then it becomes very easy because we had these 23 different items and the, the profitability was at 2 to 5% for half of them. Then for a quarter of them, it was at 5 to 15%. And then we had exactly one standing out with a 25% net profit. And so you, yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting. I was just thinking, do you think as a, as a business leader, the challenge is that they're their babies, that they don't want to let go? Of course. When you, yeah. when you create something, you are in love with it. We yeah. are in love with every idea that we have. We think, oh, it's smart, it's great, it's wonderful, <laughs> we go with it. So we need this challenge from the outside and we need the numerical challenge. We need the data and the facts, this is why we are very keen on measuring every, everything that we do every seven days. We have some okay. simple metrics, but we visualize them every seven days. We say the first coach is the market. The second is your sprint coach who helps you measure the market resonance, but you need the numbers. So whatever yeah. we do and we say, okay, this is important for this week, 
our sprint length is seven days. And we say, okay, we're going to improve this. What is the main metric? And we write them down. It's a number. And then there is a secondary and a tertiary metrics. They are more around the confidence and usage. So user resonance, in our case, it's the NPS, the Net Promoter Score. How happy is mm -hmm. the user? How confident is the team? But the first one is a number that comes from the market. And it says, I don't know, so 15 users will be tested and four of them will be 100% happy, for example. That's one thing that we would measure seven days later. Right. How does innovation work in, in within your system? So our innovation, if, if when you talk innovation, we, we rely on the blue ocean concept of differentiating on, on a continuous basis. So mm -hmm. we always analyze where we are at, where we want to be. And then there are two levels of innovation, the very long-term one and the current. The current is always seven days. So some might say, but that's not innovation, that's just improvement. Yeah. We would say this is innovation because the focus of our innovation is come from the NPS. That's the Net Promoter Score. Right. We yeah. ask our client what's missing, what's not working, what's working really well. And we ask this every 30 days to all clients. Based on that, we set the focus for the week. And the focus for the week is on the one current bottleneck. Hmm. And we get, the, we get it from them. So if they say, hmm, I wanted to double my revenue, but I just got to 25%, but I didn't get to 100%. Uh, then we know, okay, we have to find the bottleneck in there. We, we do a short analysis of what's the root cause. And then we start two to five quick parallel experiments that we can measure in seven days. So we, we test our assumptions. We write down our assumptions. We test them in seven days. And at the end of the seven days, we have the result. This is how we do innovation week by week. And then there are some bigger long-term innovations yeah. We get them from our blue ocean strategy. We, we call it the equalizer. We write down the eight things that we are good at. And then we ask ourselves in what our competitors are investing right now regarding to that. And mm -hmm. they zig, we zag. So for example, our competitors right now are investing into AI-driven uh, data dashboards. Yep. We let them, we let them win that field. We zag. We do something completely different. We uh, we invest in real-time one-to-one coaches. It's the opposite. Yeah. And this is how we will win that field because when they zig, we zag. So we have a completely own market yeah. there, and and then we set goals which are more long-term. Long-term in our world is 90 days to six months. Right. So not that long-term. For us, it's it's the longest term uh, of in terms of operations. And then we have our vision, which is three years. Okay. That all makes total sense. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Um, 
I was going to ask you, when you talk about differentiation, uh, Simon, how you perhaps set goals for that, because differentiation has a, there's a certain amount of art to it as well, and maybe there's a creative side to that as well. How, how do you quantify differentiation? In, in market shares, in recurring revenue, in number of clients added per week and number of revenue added per week and compounded per month. Right. So you see the results of, of the differentiation. Yeah. Do you have a process before you go to market that you help your clients with to identify their differentiation point? Yes. We, we have the equalizer. So we start with right. eight, eight positioning exercises right. uh, the basic eight positioning exercises who is it for what is it what does it what does it um change in their life and uh, the eight positioning blocks and then we go to the differentiation with the equalizer it's these eight things that you are doing really well and how you can differentiate and niche that down and find your edge inside of it that basically leads to you breaking free from competition. We try every single one of our clients that they do not have to think about competition anymore because mm -hmm. they found their edge. So I was going to say that that must be another big step in the process because in so many businesses uh, and, and, and People are possibly brought up this way, you know, always be aware of what your competitor is doing. Don't let them get away with something. But is it fair to say that in your system, you're able to filter out, even if a competitor does something that may on the surface seem be, be significant if it doesn't fit the plan? So we have a competitive analysis system that we ins installed, but this is just a radar that you, you should just know what's going on. But we try sure. to limit the time that you think about competi competitors to the minimum. So don't think more than 20 minutes per week about competition because you should really think about your clients. This is where the energy goes. Make them super, super successful, super happy transform their moment and transform their day and transform their week. This is what you should do most of your time. And then from time to time, use your radar to just check. It's like when you're swimming and your head's down in operation and you just swim. From time to time, you have to pull your head out of the water and check if you're swimming in the right direction, who else yeah. is swimming around you. Are there some, some obstacles coming up? But how long do you have your head up the water? Just a couple of seconds and then go down and swim again. It's about swimming. That's so, a great analogy. I like that. Yeah, yeah that, that's my metaphor for strategy and strategic analysis. So put your, put your head out of the water, but not too long. Don't yeah. ask for weeks. Just a couple of seconds. Check. Okay, these are still our four competitors. They are doing yeah. that. All right. How can we differentiate and then move forward? And we group, we group the eight things that come out 
again in a spreadsheet. And on the left side, we cluster where we are weak and they are better. And we just let them win in that field. In the middle, we have where we are okay and they are okay. Sometimes we win, sometimes they win. Okay, we reduce the amount of time and budget that we put in there. And on the right side, we have our superpowers. So this Mm -hmm. is where we win already. We are going to double down on the right side. We will take all the budget and all the time that we cut from the left side, and we will double down on the right side. This is how we help them differentiate. And it's very simple, and it goes then directly into the monthly budget. This is where you put your money and your attention into. You double down on And that has two parts. There is the part double down, which is basically what currently works, just do more of it. And then there is the second part, create. And this is the long-term one. What can we even create, which is new, but fits to these insights and to these patterns that show up here? But that's longer than 90 days. That makes sense. Yeah. I, sorry, I was... Yeah, no, I, I was thinking... Um, there's another term you use, Simon, maximize, maximize your ROL, return on luck. Oh, that's, that's a really nice term. Can you, can you explain that a bit more? This was coined by Jim Collins, and he started this, it, it was, I guess, a joke. And his, his question was, why do some people win and others don't? And right. He said, okay, maybe there is some amount of luck going on there. And he started his research and uh, he came up with this return on luck. And he said, well, luck is equally distributed. The resources, the chances, they come and go for everybody uh, once in a while. But some people execute on that chance, on that small luck, and others don't. So what's the difference? And he stopped there, but I continued because I find this so fascinating. So mm-hmm. I, I, I took this term and continued observing the world and uh, our surroundings. And I see that the return on luck is really defined by the number of parallel experiments that you run. Let me give you an example. We mm-hmm. win... Uh, compared to our competitors, we win because per week we have five to seven experiments going on. So we write down our hypothesis in a numerical way. We run five to seven experiments per week, and then we measure. Now, compound that in a whole year, compound that in three years, by that number of experiment, and that's just execution, If you execute so many experiments, the probability that one of them will hit and will find a vein is just higher. And that's my definition of return on luck. I think you can maximize the chance that luck hits you by maximizing the numbers of parallel experiments that you run every week. That makes a lot of sense to me. I was going to ask you, with... Obviously, is there a particular type of personality in a leader that you've, you know, a business that is likely to embrace 
you know, the strategy, your strategy sprints and innovation. Is there a particular personality type that you identify? We see some commonalities. I don't know if it's on the level of personality, but I see some behavior patterns mm-hmm. that, that our clients have in common. One is they are single founders. They are much more effective and happy in our sprints than people who co-found. I think this has to do with the maturity level of the person. Uh, Because, you know, there is this fundamental loneliness in life. And it is part part of becoming an adult to face it and to embrace it. Before that, you always have some kind of committees, group work, co-stuff going on. And then there comes a point in life where you see, okay, either I lead myself and if I do it well, then it will have some ripple effects on others and I might have a followership. And when you embrace that, you go through your journey with much more clarity and with much more determination. And this creates the speed and the momentum that I would describe as a, as a sprinter. A sprinter is somebody who thinks with their hands. They do stuff and they learn from that and they collect the information uh, during the action and through the action instead of dividing the world in analysis and then later on launch and doing So what I see and what I call a sprinter are people who who act on their intuition, gather the data and move forward from there and do not stop and avoid the emotional pain that is in there. Do not avoid the journey, but rather embrace the journey and say, okay, um, I'm going to collect the data. I'm going to show that my hypothesis is right. Yeah. So so there must be very change tolerant because you cannot be a status quo type of person in that environment. Exactly. And, you know, life, life is change, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think this is one of the basic um, challenges and maybe things to learn as, as a human being, right? Our body is changing all the time. My body five years ago was not the same body, mm. unfortunately. So, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the same is for all other levels of our existence and of our business. We are in a continuous flow. And um, yeah, there are some pros and cons. But yeah. if, if I observe who are the sprinters out there, it's the people who break free from meetings break free from committees, break free from hiding behind standards. Um, and, and this is how in my industry uh, things are done. They don't yeah. hide behind that. Yeah. So are you finding that those type of people now are standing out even more in your experience? They, they need help because, you know, these people, these people are lonely. These people are changing the world. These people are making a difference and they get pushback. If they are in corporations, they get pushback. If they are out in the wild, they, they, they get pushback. Uh, 
and mm -hmm. and when they start showing growth and showing validation then they get even more pushback and they get attacked and they get legal topics in between they need to to embark other people on their journey mm -hmm. so yes that's challenge sorry yes uh, that, that, that's a great point that bringing other people with you on your vision uh, would seem to be an important point as well. Absolutely. You, you cannot create something bigger than yourself alone. So you need to work first on the vision. In, in the right. first week, we work on the, on the vision, which is always in three years. But it's, it's like a movie. So we ask them to, to write five to eight pages of how it looks like, how, who is there, how do they feel, how do they behave, why do they do what they do, how are their surroundings reacting to that world, what are they proud of, what are they bringing into the world. So it starts all with this vision. And with that vision, you then have to go out and the right people will resonate with it and they will check in and say, hey, this vision speaks to me. I want to be part of it. Can I move this forward? And this is how you recruit in the first years. Yeah. That's a great technique. Yes, it's, that. yes it is good. And I look, I know because you're time pressured that we, we need to wrap up, but I'd really like just at this time during COVID, obviously, and this is going to be hanging around for a little while. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we have an opinion of change and I really love your continuous change perspective really because I think that's critical at this stage but is there anything that and I mean I guess advice you could give to listeners on how do you manage that change how do you manage this whole process that we've got to go through at the moment which is constant change yes do less reduce the number of activities to your current number one bottleneck and do only this for this week. And when you have solved that, then you start the next thing. So yeah. how, however the number of projects is that you have right now, focus on the number one bottleneck. And if, if you're asking yourself, but how do I find the number one bottleneck? We have put together a 15 minutes exercise. You can check your bottleneck in 15 minutes. Okay. In, we have put it on, on a website. It's, it's strategiesprints.com slash sales. You will find the bottleneck in your current sales funnel because right okay. now in 2020, everybody needs to build up their, their revenue again. So mm -hmm. this is an exercise if you're asking yourself, how do I find my current bottleneck? Uh, strategiesprints.com slash sales. In 15 minutes, you will find your bottleneck. And then my advice is, just solve this one and then open up the next activity when this is closed. Great advice, Simon. Really good advice. We'll put a link in, in the show notes and everything to that. But um, You have some excellent yeah. tools on your website. Certainly recommend yeah. people have a look at that. Uh, yeah. Because I, just, just quickly, the, you, you would say then that perhaps the bottleneck may not be the obvious thing either that people might think it is. So if you've got a process to to examine that, would, would that help? It's usually not the one that they think. 
So yeah. 99% of the people, when we ask them, what's your current bottleneck? They said, I need more leads. And yeah. when we then ask, okay, let's play it through. You get 100 more leads next week. What happens? And then we see that the system of how they turn that lead into a user, into an active user, into a super fan is, is a leaky bucket. And if you put more water into a leaky bucket, it doesn't get better. Uh, exactly. so, so usually the one thing that you think is your bottleneck is usually not your bottleneck. And mostly it's in the main operations, in how you onboard your clients, in how you make them happy. It's mostly there. This is why we put together this exercise so you can find your current ones. And it's interesting right. how, how we, we usually think at the beginning of the funnel, we think visibility will change everything. It's, not, it's usually not the main point. The main point is what you are doing. And does it really change the life and the moments of your users for the better? And how you yeah. how you can you make that better and systemize it? Great advice. Oh, I think it's a very yeah. important point. Yeah. yeah, no, really good advice to wrap this up with, Simon. Thank you so very very much for your time in in your morning. Um, it's much appreciated, and and uh, we will definitely put all the wonderful links that you've got to your website, um, strategiesprints.com, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that's all great. And thank you again for your time. It's been wonderful to chat to you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy that? Then click subscribe and the bell so you get notifications on new episodes. I've put links in the description for heaps of free tips on innovation. So check them out as well. See you next time on Thrivable Biz.